Hello? Hello? What's up, brother? Let's talk about fits and starts. (laughs) (laughs) Fits and starts is about people our age talking about work. Fits and starts is highly specific, but highly specific in the things I'm interested in. (laughs) The things that I like. I think that I didn't fall asleep. (laughs) Conversations that you guys have are like real life conversations. If you were like sitting in my living room, so keep up that good work. Like podcasting, honey. But ding! There's really only one thing I don't like. Mic problems. Not often you get to hear two white dudes give their opinions on stuff. Annoying bros, but not annoying. No, you know what fits and starts is like? Fits and starts. Fits and starts. Fits and starts is a morale booster. That's actually, that's absolutely what it is. (laughs) This week, we talk about the difference between process people and content people. Daniel gives me some fantastic life advice. I gripe about notifications, and then I become a Californian. As always, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoy it, it's really helpful if you also share it with a friend. Ready, uh, all systems go. So <clears throat> we sp- we spent a lot of time talking about like this kind of uh, fiddly stuff about like notifications. We talk about process. We talk about how we manage our calendars, how we manage our to-do lists, how we stay focused, how we do blah, blah, blah. It's been kind of the, the focus of the, the last few episodes just because it keeps on coming up. It's like how we manage our own time, how we manage our own workflow, uh, how we... Boy, do we talk about those things. Yeah, and it's like this this very like kind of like project manager approach to personal productivity, to your career, to... We've joked about personal uh, or project managing your relationships, your personal relationships, uh, joked about you doing that with your engagement and um i think that's really good stuff and that's been like a big learning curve thing for me because it's something i was really bad at in college and then gradually came to over the last few years and have become much better at now um but i sometimes fool myself into thinking that that's the end right instead of a means to an end uh and i sometimes that's the start system going the system the... of checks and balances exactly is, is that is that is that like that i i want to have like my perfect situation is to have a perfectly manicured checklist instead of having a the objective being to get the objective done right, which is to like do good work and to create uh, good things. So well, again, we uh, come up against uh, the disagreement between you and I about what the objective is. The objective is not to do good work. The objective is to enjoy your existence. But carry on. Well, but okay, so like, but I mean, even just in terms of like getting a task done, right? Like, so you have a project, like Mm -hmm. I get so bogged down in the project management side of it that like Mm -hmm. I will sometimes take my eye off the ball of what the project is, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, no, no, totally. But, you know, just, just again to clarify, I don't think that the end goal is doing good work yeah 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 and well and even if that is the case i think even just on the i'm thinking of like maslow's hierarchy of goals uh of like (laughs) that the uh even if that's the goal beyond doing good yeah yeah even if that's the goal beyond like just doing good work like okay what's what's the point of doing good work like i would say something probably different than what you would say but we would both agree that like the point of like checklists and productivity hacks and all of that garbage is like to help you to do better work with less friction, right? Yes, with less lack of enjoyment. It's it's to help you enjoy doing your work more. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, and I think it also helps you to do a better job. Uh, and so that is an, an the, added bonus. 
Yeah, sure. well, uh, yeah, as kind of the main course for me. But, <laughs> um, but I was watching. So, so like, I can't get past this feeling of like doing all these little fiddly things and focusing so much on the process is like kind of just turns you into this like car mechanic where you're like you're just kind of like continuing to have these little like checkups and systems and and pilots checklists to like make sure that like everything is on the right track and blah, blah, blah. And to make sure your process is right, make sure your lines are right, make sure your ducks are in a row. And after a while is like, man, how intrinsically rewarding is it to have your ducks in a row? Uh, and I watched, you know, I, I, I'm getting into this uh, dangerous area, which is where I think a lot of uh, like-minded podcasters get into, which is where I like to quote Steve Jobs on stuff. Um, I, have at I, it, I don't, sir. Just to be clear, I don't uh, fetishize Steve Jobs as much as uh, a lot of other podcasters do. But I do think mm-hmm. he said some very, very smart things. And I recently watched this thing that I've quoted a lot from, which is this 1995 interview with him, which you can watch on Netflix, called Steve Jobs, The Lost Interview. I would highly, highly recommend it. It's during sure. his year away from Apple. And uh, one of the things that he starts to talk about in why he's explaining why IBM just can't catch up to them is he's talking about the difference between process people and content people. Um, And that's a really interesting distinction for me. And he was pointing out, he's like, IBM is a big, big company with a lot to lose. And so their CEO emphasizes hiring excellent process people and they have the best process people in the world. And all of their, they have all of these like very, very smart, very, very productive uh, like MBAs who can come in there and be the best middle managers in the world. But as you've pointed out before, like all the middle managers in the world can't beat the iPod, right? Like you'll middle manage your way into making a Zune and it will be terrible, right? So this is an interesting distinction and it's really interesting to see how he talks about it because he says, you know, you can you can have such great process people, but if none of them are focusing on the content, if none of them understand the content, the real like thing that your company is working on, the 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 real itch that your company scratches for all of its customers and clients, if you don't really connect that and understand that and understand how to work towards that, you're a process person, and every company needs process people. But I guess what I'm getting at with this is. I'm starting to wonder by being so focused and so bogged down and so uh, getting really, really like neck deep into this nitty gritty, like project management, uh, notification, uh, calendar, OmniFocus, getting stuff done stuff. Am I sort of like force forcing myself into being in a position where like I'm a process guy and what would it mean for me to turn around and try to like break out of that a little bit to say, no, no, no. Like I need to keep my eye on the ball a little bit more. How do you develop yourself more as a content person? And, um, I don't know, this has been weighing on me a lot. I don't really have a coherent question here, but it's something that's been bothering me a lot in the last few weeks. And I'm curious what you think about all of that, uh, brain dump that I just dumped on you. I love it. Okay. So I would say, um, so there's process people, there's content people, which I want to call product people. Um, okay if you're cool with that. And then there's also people, people, uh, which is another thing. So I think this is just me talking out, uh, just, you know, like a little bit, just a couple of years of being a professional human. 
right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, based on based on my experience in the past like five to six years, my uh, my guesstimation is as follows: the people people are invaluable. The project people are the ones who make the things that we end up selling, right? Mm. And mm. the process people, like at, at Titan, we have something called queue work so we have project work which is like okay we're working on this like specific contract like someone came to us and said please build this thing for us and we are building it right that's regular Mm. project work then we have queue work which is like uh please allocate one person's time to work on any and all things that come up under this heading right so there's those people um and then we have sort of the people who deal with communicating what goes into those cues, what goes into those projects, blah, 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 right? Um, and at Titan, a lot of times, like, we're asked to wear different hats and do different mm. things. Um, but, like, I would say the distinction between, like, process person and product person, right, is, like, a product person wants to ship it, right? At, at the end of the day, like, they want to package and ship something, right? Yeah. And a process person is often in the role of like continual maintenance, right? Where yeah. you're putting you're putting yourself into a support role, right? Where you basically keep the uh keep the troughs clear, you know, and keep the uh keep the joints from getting all bogged up and uh keep the system from getting arthritic and allow things to sort of go on unimpeded. Um, yeah, but often that requires like a lot of like fiddling and day to day maintenance. And so the reason I think you feel like you spend all this time, like constantly optimizing your process is because you do, because your process changes because the environment that it lives in changes. Right. Yeah. And your process can't stay the same in a changing environment and still be efficient. Yeah. Um, and so I think that leads to a lot of things. I think that leads to places with super rigid process um getting old and failing because they don't change their process in an environment that is changing right and that's Mm. like Mm. that's an example of the ibm problem right they not only did they bring in process people they brought in process people who had like a process right and they're going to come in and they're going to implement their process in this place like they've implemented their process in lots of other places right um and when those processes don't change you end up with you know the products don't change or if the products do need to change it's like a whole logistical nightmare to change the products because the process can't change yeah right yeah um so that i would say if you want to move away from being a process person i would say productize some of your process um and i don't mean like to sell to a customer necessarily although that's always a possibility um but like take some of your process right and turn it into something that doesn't require you Hmm. there's people who enjoy having a job that requires them uh because it feels like job security right and this is like the classic like sysadmin situation right we're like oh we can't fire the neckbeard in the corner because he's the only one who knows how to do x y and z right and like yeah, if the yeah. if the database server goes down, like he's the only one who knows the backup system, right? And that's a guy who's created a series of processes, but he's in the center of all of those processes. And none of those, like 
all of those processes at some point, like everything comes back to him and that's what makes him invaluable. And that's what makes him get to ask for the raise every single time and get it because he can't, you know, he's just going to keep getting his, his annual raise until eventually he dies or retires. Right. Because he's, uh, he just can't be replaced. Um, so that's like a classic process person. Then there's, uh, then there's the people, and I've always admired these people, the people who give their job away every six months. Um, mm. And I've really admired this. It's the people who like realize that a new job is needed inside the company, go and do that job, give away the job that they were doing before to someone else. They go and pioneer this new job. They figure out what this job needs to do. They lock it down. They create a process, right? And then they give that process away to a new hire. And it's uh, it's really cool. And so what what's then happened is you've kind of productized your process. You've turned your process from being like a process that I need to sit here and like manage and fiddle with to like, no, the product, the thing I have of value that I offer to this company is my ability to like create a process and then like hand that off to somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's a really, really valuable thing is like when you can create processes for other people, right? And just like create, basically create a role, inhabit the role, and then like vacate the role and transition it comfortably. Like it's a super, super valuable skill set to have because like the amount of money and time companies spend on hiring people and then figuring out them either figuring out what their job is or what their job needs to be or like what the difference between the job description and what actually needs to happen are, you know, that's a huge amount of money that gets spent. And so if you can be the guy who like can pioneer a job, work it, and then like bring someone in to do it and like have the foresight to see what the next job is, you know, I think like those people are really invaluable to companies, right? Those are the people like... You know, the guy in the corner, he may be invaluable like as of now, but like if he, you know, if he quit, everyone would figure it out. It might take a couple of months of hell, but like everyone would figure out how to replace that guy, you know? Yeah. But the guy who, uh, the guy who really like pioneers the new roles that the company needs and like the new processes that need to be implemented, like that guy's really invaluable. And I've seen that guy in a couple of companies uh, and I've always really respected that role. So that's what I would say you're probably very good at is like creating a process and then you just got to figure out how to like make that process like human being agnostic. Like whatever whatever human is sitting in this chair can execute this process, right? And obviously you want to hire someone who's smart and who can take your process and continue improving on it. But like... Ideally, you want to build a process where like someone can just slip right in and then sort of become you and then figure out how they want to improve on it. Yes. I wish I had a bell here. I feel like we're really talking about something here. This is it. Yeah, we talked about something. Many apologies for the delay. Mm. And uh, many congratulations on the day of your daughter's wedding. I think I might need to get a less noisy chair. Do you hear all this noise in the background? Every time I move, every time I shift my weight. But you were all jammed up today. What were you all jammed up with? S- says the guy who's like in and out of Asia. You fidgety? You feeling fidgety? No, I'm just, I'm just getting comfortable, you know. Shifty? 
so how was your trip to Japan? Uh, it happened. It was good. It was a little short. How can I? How can I become less dumb about design? It's like you know what? Screw the screw the special hat. Anything that requires a bobby pin, I don't know if I'm down with. <sighs> what an ugly program. It's so expensive. Like if I if I'm a rube, can you? Is there like a? Are you a rube? If, given that I am a rube, it's like a data visualization library with like a a built-in weird little version of basic so that's a really interesting take uh on doing that within an organization big or small one of the other ways that i like to think about it and this is uh, i don't know maybe we can cut all this out but one of the things that's interesting to me to think about is like um how do you manage your time between being a process person, being a content person on your own side projects. Cause we always love talking about, we, we always love moving back and forth between uh, the job we're getting paid for and the side projects we're working on. Right. Um, and I feel like it would be less interesting for me to bring that up with the, uh, the podcast because like we have a very simple pr- process for this right now where we just, we have a Trello board, we develop topics, and then we come in here and we record, and then I edit. I've got a little process for that. There's not a whole lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. The The part that I wanted to float by you was this, because this is the other time that this comes up, is with my music. Um, with Michael Johnson, uh, with our, our band Twice Adapted that I like to plug on here, uh, we have been making music for like 10 years and in the past we had no structure at all to it. We would just kind of record when we record when we're together, I'd say, Hey, here are five beats that I think that I've made that I think are kind of cool. And he would pick one of them out and he'd record some vocals and we'd go from there. Um, now we haven't lived in the same city for four years. And so, or actually five, five years. So what I do now is, um, I've implemented actually this like pretty rigorous process that works very very well for us um Hmm. but uh now what i've done is i've begun to project manage the band that i'm in (laughs) which is sort of funny but it's actually it actually works pretty well so what i what i end up doing is um the thing that like the mode that i can like i can kind of like coax my brain into uh this mode is like where i sit down and like anything goes no idea is a bad idea uh, making demos. I get into Ableton Live, I'm making beats, I'm making using synths, whatever else. Uh, I grind those things out pretty effectively and efficiently, and I put them all into... Everything that I make goes into like a two-minute sample into a Google Drive folder for Michael. And then Michael can move those things into either a folder that says, Michael's working on this idea, or another folder that says, you know... Uh, nice try, but we're not going to actually do anything with this. That Mm -hmm. the the latter folder is much, much larger as you can imagine. Uh, and, uh, it's almost like moving a Trello card around and we, we take these different ideas. I pump out ideas, uh, pretty prolifically. Most of them are no good. The ones he likes, he keeps, and then he sends over demos. And then we go from there, but we have this whole thing where we've, we've included technology. We've included a process. We've included kind of a taxonomy for how we talk about these different ideas and they're even with this for like a little project where I'm not really selling. I'm not like selling internally this idea of this process and I don't have anyone to hand it off to because it's just the two of us in the band. How do you think about or what advice do you have thinking about like um, implementing a rigorous process on a creative project or doing something with a friend? And how do you figure out like, 
you know, to what extent should I be systematizing this versus just like how much time do I need to be spending like just making the content? Because the content is pretty clear. It's the music. Seems like the system's done, right? Like there's nothing more to add, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I would say like spend no more time on the system because the system works. I love the idea of actually moving files around like like cards in a Kanban board or something, right? Um, The idea that like the actual physical, I mean, it's not even physical, but it feels more physical because it's the actual working file. That the actual working file is the thing that's moving between columns, right? And that you actually have directories for those columns. That feels awesome to me. That feels like the base of like computing you know like i love yeah. everything about that where it's like no no no. the file manage like the file management system is all we need right like if you just give me access to a directory tree and some yeah. working files like <laughs> right. I, i'll build you a Kanban right. board take your trello and right. shove it up your- i love it i love everything about that <laughs> it's fun because also like if i ever want to uh having that kind of taxonomy for it. If I ever want to approach another musician and say, Hey, I'd like to work on something for you. They'll say, do you have any demos or anything I can listen to? And I'm like, yeah, I have a, uh, I have a folder here with 37 beats that Michael passed on. (laughs) So that's a good place for us to start. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So it's been, it's it's been fun. I, I I set the arbitrary goal of, uh, I wanted to make a hundred, a hundred instrumental demos. Um, because my idea my idea was, I don't know if I ever told you about that, but my idea was I, I'm good enough at like pumping those things out. Um, and uh, some of them are good. Some, a lot, many more of them are not good, but, um, my idea was for, yeah, well for, for, uh, our next project, when we put we like to put out five song EPs. That's just kind of what we do. Um, I would love it if for our next five song EP, Michael had said no to 95 demos you know, um, Mm -hmm. to like really have the confidence of just like the thing that came out of it is like really the thing that we wanted to come out of it. Um, so right now we've got like 40 or something that he's passed on and we got like six that are in the works and then, uh, he's working on like eight more past that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really fun. Uh, so I just got to keep, try to keep my focus on done, uh, focus on the content. I always, I always want to come back and like admire my, uh, perfectly manicured folders. Well, no, you could totally do that. And, uh, you know, that's always fodder for other projects like uh, we're talking about it right now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But no, like I really do think that like impl- like perfecting a process is valuable um, because usually you'll learn a principle that you can then carry somewhere else, right? So like the idea of like, I think I just learned something right now, right? Which is like the idea of using an actual file in the file system as the thing that moves between states and using directories as representatives of those states, like yeah. that's a valuable idea. Um, so that's like a little thing that next time I'm spinning up a process for something, I might use that depending on the thing, depending on the process, right? But I think like spinning up a process for something is never a bad idea. <laughs> I could, uh, I could teach you some things. You you don't need to be good at Excel, though, if you know how to program. That's the whole thing, right? Like, yeah, no thanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Squirrel? He is weird, dude. I don't <laughs> get this dude. He is a super weird dude. Have you made your decision for Christ? It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. The leads are weak. You're weak. I was sent by Mitch and Murray. 
I was sent on a mission of mercy. <laughs> the dialogue is almost like Shakespearean. It's got this like this oh whole like God, meter totally. to it, which I it was informed by the website is actually Lacroix. Did you know that it's from Wisconsin and that it's not French at all? Yeah, no, it's Lacroix. Did you say Lacroix? That's what it looks like. Yeah, but everybody says Lacroix. How have you? How have you like gotten far enough into the culture that like you're influenced by the peer pressure of other white people who like this soft drink, but not far <laughs> enough in that you pronounce it like them? It's an excellent soft drink. Let me just say that. Once I start getting distracted, which I'm like distractible, but like Slack can distract me. You know, like if someone says, like if someone t- does like at here, you know, and like tags the room in a slack channel and says something interesting like i'm f-ed because <laughs> yeah like you just get, sent me a notification and it was interesting and so now i'm gonna get drawn into this conversation about like most deaf right in the slack channel and like it'll be 45 minutes before like i'm really like productive again yeah well and that's what like i i always that gets in kind of the second part of what i wanted to talk about was because i i i did not fully appreciate just how like frail my uh my (laughs) my own concentration is uh Mm -hmm. it is just it it could become shattered so quickly uh to the point where like if something really good comes in uh or you know something pretty exciting in the news feed whatever like i'm just done I'm, i'm like done until you know an hour later or something. Uh, right. And I, I get completely rocked out of my boat. So I've gotten to this point where I've started to get really aggressive about like muting notifications and turning and like quitting out of a whole bunch of apps on my computer. Cause I just don't have the self control for it anymore. Um, and totally. I, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about notifications as well as just like that. Cause that's just like emblematic of the problem for me. But uh, I, I, I've turned off notifications for almost everything on my phone. Uh, I have to like basically say like if I'm going to if I'm going to receive a, a text message I'm going to have to go into the app and open it and check for text messages like Are that you serious? Can't, that can't take me out of my flow because I'm so what, text messages? Yeah, I can't I can't handle anything. Are you getting a ton of texts? What's going on? Let me tell you about a pet peeve of mine. Uh just cuz now we're talking about notifications. Uh it's a little bit of a bone that I have to pick with the world. And, uh, is it group messages? Group messages are okay because you can, I can always mute them. The, my problem with the notification thing, and this was the thing that caused me to, uh, eventually mute everything was if people want to say, say a thing to you, instead Mm -hmm. of gathering their thoughts and typing a paragraph, they will send 13 messages. Uh, Mm, you're telling me, like little piece by piece. I mean, piece. I do it too. I do it too, but you do, you do I, do it, and I, I do it sometimes too, and I try not to. But I'll tell you, if I'm sitting there having a conversation with somebody, and my pocket vibrates 13 times, I will lose my mind. I, I'm completely off the edge. Like I will become unhinged. Yeah, multiple notifications in a row. Like I want to throw my phone across the room. Yeah, like it gives me agita in like this way. My cousin Drew used to talk about this, uh, about, you know, if, if we were sitting here having a conversation and somebody had something to say and they just kind of like busted in and started talking, we would find that incredibly rude. Uh, and that, that really doesn't, it's not really deserving of, of your attention. Uh, you can get to that when you need to get to that. And I think that's kind of how I've started to think about these things is like, uh, if there are, if, if somebody's tweeted at me or somebody sent me a message or there's, you know, 
uh, Facebook comments or whatever. I can get to those things when I get to those things and there's nothing really urgent about them. Uh, and so I, I, I have basically taken the step to decide that those things, uh, do not get the privilege of, of interrupting my day anymore. Yeah, true. I think also there's something to be said for like, if you and I were going to have like a, a serious conversation, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I invited you to like have this serious conversation at like my friend's wedding where you don't know anyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like the whole time you and I are trying to have a conversation, people I know that you don't know are like kind of coming up to be like, Hey Daniel, what's up? And I, I like sort of turn away from you and like have a side conversation with them uh-huh. and then turn back and say like, yeah, so what was it that you were saying again? Yeah. Right. Um, I don't think that it is the people at the wedding's fault I think it's my fault for having to have a serious, trying to have a serious conversation at a wedding. Okay, and this right? is analogous to to what, like you us sitting there talking to, while you're to, texting. Yeah. So the the issue isn't the rudeness of the interruption. The issue is whatever you're trying to do that can't be interrupted. You're trying to do it while having an interruption device. I think in we're your saying hand. the same thing in different ways. My point is just that me turning off my notifications is my way of saying like I'm not at a wedding right now. <laughs> Fair uh, enough, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it. it I don't. I, I'm not really bothered by. I I, I don't. Uh, I don't feel dogmatic at all about like other people checking their phones, and I I don't. I don't have a real like hard line about like how dare people like pull out their phones at the dinner table or whatever. I don't really care about that. I mean, I find it a little bit annoying, but not really. It's just me for my for my own self, uh, knowing how easy I am to distract, and uh, now feeling like I've got a bunch of things that I like to get done and I'm trying to do really well at work and I'm trying to do this podcast well and I'm trying to do music well and uh, to not also be a total recluse. Um, the combination of just those things really fills up my week and to do all of them well is turning into a little bit of a high wire act. And so now mm-hmm. more and more I've just, I find myself sort of like cutting things out and really trimming down like, I'll check my text messages three times a day and that'll be that, you know, I don't, I don't need those things like constantly derailing, uh, whatever it is that I'm working on. Sure. But then it does, it does make it pretty hard to, uh, hard to get a hold of you at, uh, at 10 13. That's true. I was 20 minutes late for this because I didn't hear the notifications. Email is one of those things I think you can do several times throughout the day. Right. But like, Text messages, I guess you can do several times throughout the day, but usually if people text you, it's like relatively time sensitive. And if it's not, you just ignore it, which is why so many people don't get texts back from me. You know, like I don't text people back. That's like a thing, known thing. It's a known thing. My friend Jeremy all the time is like, yeah, I texted you yesterday. And I was like, yes, I saw it. It didn't need a reply and I was busy, so I didn't reply. Okay, yeah. so this is interesting because I uh, so this I think we're getting to something a little uh, different, and a little deeper here because I uh, I feel compelled to reply to everything, and I do reply to almost everything, and so maybe Why? that's part of it. Uh, I don't know. It's just like if somebody took the time to say something to me, I never don't respond. Maybe they have more time than you do. That's true, but I I, I would think it. I th- feel like it's rude not to respond. Okay, but like, look, like I don't think not replying to a text message that doesn't have like a, a requirement to reply in it, is rude, or like 
often I'll just reply with like the okay hand or thumbs up emoji. Yeah, I use which that is thumbs like, up a lot. I'm like, word, cool, yeah, awesome, or lol, or haha, you know? Right, right. Whatever is appropriate. But like, I, like I, I don't always want to have a text message conversation, you know? And like, it's like just often not sustainable for like the current moment, right? Right. And sometimes what I'll do is like someone will text me and I'll just ignore it and I'll call them two days later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like be like, hey, listen, like it's not like I don't like you. You know, it's not like I don't want to have a conversation with you. It's just that like you texted me at like 11 a.m. on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I'm busy at 11 a.m. on a Thursday. You right, know? right, right, right. Uh, yeah. Like I just I'm just very comfortable with not replying to people. You know, I get missed calls all the time. But I also like, like I scroll through my my recent calls every once in a while. Like a couple, a uh, couple, you know, every other day or so, I'll scroll through my my missed calls and I'll be like, oh, there's a red missed call that I didn't call back. Let's call them back. You know? Oh man, that's that's just too. Uh... I, I'm too afraid of just losing stuff. Also, like, what is, so someone someone gives you a phone call. Now, I think millennials have a very funny relationship with phone calls because when phone call comes in, I assume you know, like something horrible has happened. Like someone has died if someone's making a phone Seriously? call. Seriously? Oh yeah. Well, because nobody makes phone calls anymore. So like, if I my make phone calls all the time. Oh really? I never get phone calls. So when I, I just uh, don't call you because you're like a connected person. That's I have true. Better ways to contact you. But like, well, people, but I'm like although according to what you said earlier, you don't really. I don't know. So like, when I never get phone calls. So then, like, if out of the blue, I just get like a dad is calling. My immediate thought is like, oh my gosh, someone died. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, why would someone call if you can send a text message? Why would you ever call? You know, uh, unless it's something like this where it's like you're catching up with a friend or something. You like say like, let's put someone on the calendar to go catch up sometime. But like, who just you calls schedule people? your your catch up calls? I sure. call people out of the blue. I'm like, "How you doing, man?" Oh no, because I feel like uh, I feel like I'm uh, I'm I'm imposing on their. You know, who knows if they got a thing going? What if they have a thing? Then they won't answer, and they'll call me back when they scroll through their missed calls later. What if they have a thing and they're like me and they can't not answer? That's why I love them so much. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're friends. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Four Loco was big? <laughs> yeah. I was standing in a Japanese grocery store <laughs> picking out strange snacks for Charlotte, who was sick upstairs on the 26th floor. Oh, no. Every single day, by the time he gets to lunch, he's eaten 35 pieces of gum. Sorry, I was muted. I was, like, having a whole episode as, like, I tried to pull one thing out of the pocket of my coat and, like, everything fell around me. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh yeah, one uh, I had like a really weird morbid idea for a podcast today. Wait a minute. We've got a big big system and there are a lot of brilliant people, many of whom have consciences. Yo, what's up? Did you see Trump just fired the attorney general? I just could not respond. Like I was like just words were failing me. I was like I know how to say all the things I want to say right now and I can't say any of them. Um Ooh, 2 days later, I was speaking Japanese like a champ things i didn't even know i could say i am uh i'm in california i'm a californian mm. you're well i don't know Did, are there other how does that work like does that 
Is there is there like a what's the test for that? How do you how does one become uh, a, like an actual uh, citizen of the place where they reside? I don't know. When I was a child, we did a lot of driving around the United States, and we had a criteria for saying that you had been to a state. Um, and what that's my interesting. Dad said, yeah, I've thought about that too. What, what, what was your criteria? We used to get into this too. Yeah, well, my dad said you had to have touched something God made. That was the okay. Deal. That's interesting. So that's actually, that's pretty clever. Asphalt didn't count. Was the point. Um, okay, asphalt like, or the inside of an airport, none of those things counted. Okay, but what about like a plant inside of an airport? Wouldn't that kind of, I mean, I, I guess it's not really fitting with the yeah, spirit but God of the didn't rule, put but it, it, there. Does, it does fit the letter of the law. Well, okay, well, yes, but wouldn't everything technically fit the letter of the law depending on your conception of God? Well, no, but I think like there's, but there's a difference, isn't there, between like, uh, not, not too abstract too, too quickly here, but uh, there's, does it seem like there's a difference between like, uh, an arranged thing and like a plant, which is just like a, a plant is like, it is what it is. It grows right out of the ground. That's that versus like, yeah, but it, okay. So versus like, if you had like a wreath, I wouldn't call that like a God made thing, you know? So you, you, what you're saying is you take a, you take a plant, you move it into a circular shape. God no longer made it. You move it into an airport. It's still God's creation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then uh, you take it on a plane, you take it to a new place, and all of a sudden it's a Californian wreath. Yeah, also, uh, if you take two plants and you put them on two different planes uh, circling the Earth in two different directions, one yeah. is now in an alternate timeline. Now, wait a minute. Wait, how fast are they moving? Uh, relative to each other? It, <laughs> yeah, I got to write this down. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter. And any, any non-zero speed will do. I see. Now they're in alternate alternate timelines, yeah. Um, Einstein said that. So how does okay? So going to a state, you go to a state, you touch a God made thing outside the airport, and uh, mm-hmm. and then you've been in that state. We used to say you have to have slept there. To say that you've been there. Uh, well, so and here was because the, the 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 logic was we were had the 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 context of the conversation was like uh, how many states have you been to, and um, you know what I would like, allow I would. If you want to be like more strict like that, I would say slept or ate. Okay. I think eating in a place it does something spiritually. Let's say eating a meal because I don't you know chewing on sunflower. Well, seeds, yeah, I not, don't want not like thing. a Snickers. Yeah. No, you have to eat. You have to eat food that was prepared in that state. But for you, I mean, four years ago, Snickers and a Coke was a meal for you. So. Right, but it wasn't prepared in the state. You could really pick that up anywhere. Uh, yeah, we used to say we were always counting the states and there's a big, big gap, uh, of all the states that I haven't been to, uh, coincidentally, many of those states are the states that are empty, uh, on our 50 states challenge map. Um, I've been to the Dakotas. I just can't name a person there. Yeah. Well, so, uh, we used to get into these debates and then I would say, you know, uh, in transit to Maine, we definitely drove through New Hampshire and Vermont, but I didn't do anything in New Hampshire and Vermont. So we all kind of agreed I hadn't actually been to New Hampshire New, and Vermont. Uh, no, and that's so, nonsense. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Actually, we, you know what? I think no. we actually did because we went to the Ben and Jerry's place. We got some special Ben and Jerry's we used, there. We used to drive out of the way to touch something God made in New Mexico in the middle of the night. Huh. Like, There's not a lot out in there. In California... Yeah, we were in California. We were in Air- we drove to Arizona, and my dad was like, "We could just drive back to California, or 
We could take a couple of hours driving to New Mexico, touch something God made, and then head back. And you all, you all voted for idea. you all voted for checking uh, New Mexico off your off your list. Yeah, it wasn't really a democracy. Yeah, I get that. I yeah, mean, I suppose my mom probably had a vote at that point in our lives, but uh, I don't know how she voted. Yeah, so like uh, you get into tricky territory with uh, airports. I think and anyone who's going to be reasonable about it uh, says if you. Uh, have a layover somewhere that's not you haven't been to that country uh well I, well in, yeah unless you leave the airport and pull an anthony bourdain on his show the layover where yeah. he eats a lot of food prepared in the place and he shakes hands with many people god made see i would think so and that's that's where it gets a little tricky i would agree that i think he's been to those places so the first time i went to china i just had a 10-hour layover which was just past the past the threshold where they would allow me to they, they pay for me to go you know s- s- go to a hotel and shower off before I get on my next leg of the flight. But I actually mm-hmm. did get out and I got some Chinese food and I took a shower. Now, did I go to China at that point? Yes. I went to China. Okay. Well, yes, obviously. Hmm. You had a cultural experience. Ben and Jerry's. Is that a meal? That's absolutely not a meal. Okay.